You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two, it's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, serving Calgary and Southern Alberta since 1992. Visit dlbasementsystems.com for everything basementy. At the bottom of the hour, ESPN NHL senior writer Greg Wyshynski will join us. Get his take on the Calgary Flames. Can the Winnipeg Jets gag this thing down the stretch? Maybe. And uh, some intriguing playoff matchups already kind of set in the NHL. And the Golden Knights trying to hold on to that number one spot in this division. The Oilers hot on their on their trail. So if the Calgary Flames can somehow, someway get into the playoffs, sign me up for a Vegas Flames matchup. Obviously, there's still a lot that needs to be decided, and the Flames need a ton of help. But that's something I was watching over the weekend. Uh, Matty Rose on location in Parts Unknown. He's like that mm. mysterious jabber wrestler. You don't even know he's just from Parts Unknown. And then he gets yep. crushed by one of the good guys. Uh, 960, oh. 960, where in the world is Matty Rose? 960, 960, name and location. Also, I'm more likely to do this today than the Flames making the playoffs. I'm more likely to do this today than the Flames making the playoffs. 960-960, name and location. An absolute must-win for the Calgary Flames tonight at home to the Nashville. Predators can pretty much end their season with a win tonight. Uh, But the bad news is uh, the Jets have three games remaining, uh, one at home against the Sharks tonight, and then they go on the road and play the Wild and Avalanche, which potentially could be good news for the Calgary Flames. But this is why that loss to the Blackhawks last week looms so large for the Flames. It's out of their control. If the Jets just grab three points here in their final three games, it doesn't matter what the Flames do. They're in. That's what the frustrating part in all of this is, Matty, because you lose that game to Chicago. You can't even bring it to overtime. You lose on Saturday night. You come out super flat. You're down 2 nothing. You fight back. You get it to overtime. You have chances in the extra frame. You don't beat Thatcher Demko. You lose in the shootout. And now all of a sudden, uh, you have two games left in the season. And you got to hope that the Jets kind of lay an egg here with three games to go. 100%. And obviously the Ducks game or the, the Blackhawks game looms large. But this is a team that has also, over the course of the season, lost to the Ducks in regulation, lost to the Flyers. In regulation, we don't get, need to get into the Blackhawks' recent history. That has been well hashed for sure. But this is a team that has lost to Columbus in regulation, Montreal in regulation. Like Those are the ones that you look back at and you say even a point there would make a humongous difference yeah. if you get ready for the final two games. But alas, here it is for you. Back at home, which honestly hasn't been great for the Flames in the back half of this season. And uh, they'll play against a a Predators team that's probably going to be extremely shorthanded again. But I don't think the script is probably going to be too much further off than what you should expect on Saturday. It's going to be another team on the opposite side who's going to have all sorts of energy. They've got an elite goaltender who can steal them a game. If you spot this Predators team a lead, you're probably going to end up having to fight really hard just to get yourself back into the game. Yeah. I would expect this to be pretty similar to what we saw over the course of the weekend. Well, uh, for flame's sake, uh, it's, it's definitely uh two points tonight, two points Wednesday against the San Jose sharks. Obviously um, goal scoring has been an issue for this Calgary flames team. 
all season long and, and finishing or lack thereof. Do you give the kid a chance tonight? Do you dress Matt Coronado? Do you give the try to give this team a little shot in the arm? I don't know what what, what would it hurt. Do you, do you put him in the lineup, Maddie? Do you give him a look tonight? Two games left in the regular season. Tonight feels like a, a good as a night as any to give the kid maybe a shot. Maybe he scores you a goal. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like this race is getting even tighter. And as a result, we're probably not going to see Matt Coronado in the regular season. I think that if this was a team that had someone who was maybe a little bit more of a straight-up finesse guy that you could take out of the lineup, say, for instance, if Sonny Milano had signed uh, after being here on the PTO, if that was a guy who was still on the roster, that would be an easy switch for me. But as far as what different players have as far as roles go and their style of play, you know, as, as much as, you know, I might be every time I watch Nick Ritchie, I, I might get a little bit frustrated with some of just the way he plays. He's a completely different style of player than Matt Coronado. He's a big body. He can get to the net. He can throw some hits. Like there's a lot that he kind of takes away from the group at the same time. But the, the positives that he brings to the table are those that kind of for a bottom six guy you want. Now, saying that, he's playing with Nazem Kadri, and there's some some offense perhaps being left on the table there. I don't know. I'd like to see Matt Coronado, but I just don't. I just don't expect to see Matt Coronado, if that makes sense. Uh, the coach wouldn't put him in, and being terrified of him potentially making a, a mistake that costs this team a, a, a game that they absolutely need tonight? Yeah, it's, it's not even being terrified. It's just like, you know, he... It, it, it's almost like, okay, what do I say to this young player if he goes in and he makes a mistake? Like, Do I just tell him, hey, it's all good, don't worry about it? Because, you know, it actually does really matter to the rest of the group. So I just, it's a tough kind of point to come in and, and be able to see Matt Coronado. Like, you, you just wish that there had been a little bit more runway here for the Flames to kind of play out the regular season, but that's just not how it's going. And, I don't know, like, the jump from college to the NHL is significant. This is a guy who hasn't gone and played in the AHL at all. Like, as much as, you know, watched him play at Harvard a little bit on the screen, I don't know how it's going to translate to the NHL. So, I don't know, it's hard to say. You'd, you'd hate for the kid to be thrown in and end up wearing the goat horns at the end of the contest in a must-win game against a Predators team that you should be beating, right? Yeah, you, you you absolutely should. Um Patrick, you, you don't think any chance Matt Coronado makes his debut tonight? Zero chance that happens? I mean, probably not. But it's like, at this point, you have nothing more to lose right now. It's like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, you lose the playoff spot, but you're three points out. It's already a massive no, you're, uphill you're, you're climb. One, yeah, you're, point, you're yeah. one point. Sorry, one point out. Sorry. But it feels more like that. It because feels of the more tie. like you're essentially the, two points out because yeah. of the tiebreaker. Yeah. It just feels like, like you're going to have to, like, I don't know, like, I think we could find out a lot tonight if they if it feels like it, the Jets win tonight and it, just the gap isn't going to close. Oh, this is a four point swing. It's crickets, yeah, curtains. He, he's going to he's gonna, probably see him against the Sharks. Yeah, exactly. It'll be yeah. uh, throw him in against the Sharks in a meaningless game, eighty two. But, but at the same time, it's an energy boost, a good punch in the arm. Pelche Coronado, they could totally do it for this group. That's the, that's what I'm saying. You can always sit Milan Lucic. You can always sit Milan, even though Milan's playing pretty yeah, good. He's, of he's late. playing decent. Yeah, if he can't, Co- but Coach even ripped the fourth line after that loss, though. Yeah, but there you go. 
But even even Walker Dewar was trying to make stuff happen on mm-hmm. Saturday night, like he has been uh, this entire season. I, like, I, what one of the things you could do, you drop Dylan Dubé down, so he and Lewis could take draws on that fourth line. One of them play the wing with Walker Dewar, and you just throw in Matt Coronado and Jacob Pelche on either side of the wing and Nazem Kadri. But that feels like a little too whimsical for this co- coaching staff. Yeah, it just feels like they they're not going to grab inspiration from those two. That feels like it. Um, I'm I'm just thinking the the Jets and Sharks play at five. Yeah, Flames games at seven thirty tonight. It's now a national broadcast as well. It is a national broadcast yeah. because of what it wow. means. Yep. Oh my gosh! What is what is the vibe going to be down at the dome if the Jets lose in regulation tonight? That le- that building could get a little bit. Ra- they'll know. They'll be no. Oh pro- yeah, puck drop. Oh, they'll, oh they'll, yeah, they'll be aware. Yeah. Everyone will know. Yeah. Yeah. And then all Everyone's of a sudden, know exactly what's on the table. It's either going to feel like it's almost a moot point, or it's going to feel like a huge opportunity. So I don't know. I'm intrigued to see what the crowd looks like. I think they've they've had some solid crowds lately, but I don't know. You don't give this you don't give this group of fans something to cheer about, then they're not going to cheer. That's for sure. Yeah, and as you mentioned, uh, home ice has been a struggle uh, for the Calgary Flames. Uh, well, at least lately, I don't think there's any question. Jacob Markstrom gets the start again tonight. Uh, for the Calgary Flames. Um, again, they need more from Huberto. Uh, they, they, he's been playing better, but they need him to produce tonight. They need Kadri to produce tonight. Kadri scored that big goal on Saturday night to tie the game. You could see the emotion jumped into the boards after he scored that goal, really desperately wanted it after having some terrible turnovers in that game against the Chicago Blackhawks. But they need a lot more from Jonathan Huberto tonight. They need the same kind of game from Elias Lindholm. They just need their big guns to produce a game that you can you can pretty much end the Predators season tonight with a win in regulation, but you're right. Yeah. I'm just interested to see what the vibe around the rink is going to be if the Jets win or if they lose. Because if the Jets lose, all of a sudden, you're staring at being up a point uh, with one game to go in your season, and you're hoping the yeah. Jets can lose, which they absolutely could, because if you look what they have ahead of themselves... They got games against the Wild, who, the, by the way, the Wild are getting Kapril Kaprizov back, which is... And that a, game's tomorrow. And they haven't beaten the Wild this year. back with yeah. travel. The it, Wild. Back to back with travel. Yeah. It's not the worst travel, but I get you what you said. The Wild have owned the Jets this year. They've yeah. absolutely smoked them. Yeah, it's it's a short flight from Winnipeg to Minnesota. It's not Jersey to Philly. But no, it's, it's not. But it's, it's, it's a game that the Wild, you look at where they are, they're just two points back of the Dallas Stars. Uh, for second spot in that division, home ice. The, the Avalanche now, mm-hmm. as we all expected, on their way to winning that division. Two points clear of the Stars, and they have the tiebreaker on Dallas. All those teams have three games remaining in their season. But yeah, Minnesota's a team that has plenty to play for, and the Avalanche mm-hmm. have plenty to play for. They have an outside chance of being the number one team in the conference after after being you know struggling the first half of the season, dealing with a ton of injuries, a little bit of a Stanley Cup hangover. But the Avalanche here, they win three straight. They can finish on 110 points and potentially be the number one seed in the Western Conference. They still have a ton to play for here down the stretch, which is good news if you're a Calgary's Flames fan because the Jets have to go both into those environments and try to pick up some sort of result. But it all comes down to the Flames. Even if the Jets win tonight, which you'd think they would against the terrible, terrible San Jose Sharks, the Flames mm-hmm. still have what? What's the percentage this morning? It's got to be around, what, 20% according to Money oh, Puck for them to be in the playoffs? feels a little high. Let me see. It right is now. like 16%. 
16 and a half. Okay, I was close. Yeah. So yeah, at eighty one point one. Yeah, not good uh, for the Calgary Flames. But again, it's it's back to that game losing to the Blackhawks. Now you need you need you need help. You need you need some hope here that the that the that the Jets can lose in regulation. And with all due respect to the Jets, too, I watched that game uh, Saturday night against the the Predators. That they were all over them in stretches of that game, especially in the second period. But again, much like... Ehlers had like four posts. Oh, yeah. Ehlers was electric, <laughs> yeah. by the way, in that game. He was flying out there. But much like the Flames, the Jets just lack of finish. Ehlers, anytime goal didn't cash, but that's fine. Okay, that's fine. But just looking at Ehlers and that team, like just lack of finish, much like the Calgary Flames lately, goals have been hard to come by for the Winnipeg Jets, although they're playing a team that bleeds goals like nobody's business in the San Jose Sharks. You just... You just hope. I just, man, if even if the Jets, I think, would you take a Jets loss in overtime or a shootout tonight? I think you do that right away if they get a point. I think you take that if you're a Flames fan right now. Like, if my choice was let this game play out and have a perhaps regulation loss against the Jets just getting a single point? Right. I don't know, man. I, I might let this one play out. Okay. Because, like, like Patty said, Winnipeg hasn't beat San Jose all season long. Uh, but then again, you look at the next two games and you say, hey, if they're going to get one of six, that would be pretty ideal. I don't know. You, you lay out an interesting query. It's something that I would have to think about, I guess. But, hmm, uh, yeah, I don't know. The, I just, this Jets team, man, I, I feel like you never know what you're going to get every time they step on the ice. Like, yeah. no idea what what incarnation of the Jets well, are going to be. This, listen, this is a team that has led to Central Division for stretches of this season. Who's had a goaltender who looks like a Vesna winner for stretches of the season? They've yeah. got lots of players up front yeah. that can put the puck in the net over stretches of the season. It'd be the greatest collapse like, in NHL well, history from where they were, where they were leading the conference to missing the it would be the greatest collapse in NHL history. There's yeah, because you know the, they threw the stat up a few Jets games ago. I think they they led the Central Division in Game 46 of the yeah. season. There's never been a team that has led their division by a later game of the season and then miss the postseason. Um, and real quick, like the there's like 30 or something. Like, it's in the thirties. Yeah. Um, real quick too. Connor McDavid, uh, surpasses 150 point threshold, oh, um, uh, this weekend. Um, first guy since Mario did it in the mid nineties, which is just insane. Uh, and now all of a sudden, uh, the weak part of his game where Connor McDavid doesn't score enough goals. Uh, he leads <laughs> far and away the NHL. With 63 tallies, uh, he just continues to be a marvel. And that team up north, uh, they look damn good heading into the playoffs, and they still have an outside shot here at uh, winning top spot in the Pacific Division, just two points back of the Golden Knights. Both of those teams uh, have two games remaining, although the Oilers do have the tiebreaker, the ROW tiebreaker on the Vegas Golden Knights. It's just the Oilers look red hot right now, and Connor McDavid continues to amaze. All right, uh, straight ahead, Greg Wyshynski, ESPN NHL senior writer. I'm going to ask Wish, uh, mm -hmm. g give us one reason to be positive about the Calgary Flames and give yeah. us one reason to be negative about the Calgary Flames with two okay. games to go in the regular season. We'll look around the league with Wish as well. And then Lou at the top of the hour, Peter Labardius, will get a life lesson from Lou. And we'd also love to hear from you on the text line. Number one, where in the world is Matty Rose? He's on location. He's had some automobile issues. Uh, we hope he's back in the beautiful city of Calgary uh, later today, uh, early this evening. Uh, but where in the world is Matty Rose right now doing the broadcast? Oh, and by the way, 
I'm more likely to do this today than the Flames making the playoffs. I'm more likely to do this today than the Flames making the playoffs. 960-960, name and location on the text line. It's all straight ahead. It's the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Your number one spot for Flames coverage can be found on Flames Talk with me, Pat Steinberg. Exclusive interviews, trusted insiders, and the latest news. Listen live weekday afternoons at 4 or stream the Flames Talk podcast on demand. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 to fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. The top of the hour, Peter Labardius, Flames analyst for Sportsnet 960. Brent Gunning, Sam McKee. From the golf show will join us at 8.30. Matty Rose on location, 960-960. Name and location. Where in the world is Matty Rose right now? Take a guess. But right now joining More. us on the line, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, ESPN senior writer Greg Wyshynski. Wish, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, history was made last night in the, uh, the old NHL, huh? Uh, on, on, what, on what front? Wins. Oh, I mean the Boston, the Boston oh, Bruins. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, uh, nice. doing their doing their thing. It's it's it sparked one of my favorite conversations to have as a hockey fan, which is the comparison of eras, in the sense that yeah. while we're all giving the Bruins their flowers, I got Red Wings fans on one side of me saying, "Okay, that's cool. What if we had shootouts in in '96 when we had Eiserman, Setteroff, and Coffee that could deem the shootout and in the three on three? And then I got a bunch of Montreal fans who are waiting for the Bruins to break the points record being like, yeah, we had a lot of ties too. <laughs> so it's really, it's really fun when you get into the, uh, the, the weeds on, on this whole thing of like, how, how, how much should we put over the Bruins records this year, considering the uh, advantages they had. But then again, the other side, the counter argument from Bruins fans, and it's a good one is, mm-hmm. uh, would the Red Wings have had Eiserman coffee and set her off and, Cicerelli and Primo and Lidstrom all on the same team if there was a salary cap. So it's a good good counterpoint, I think, for the Bruins fans on this one. I wish. I love that clip of Brendan Shanahan. uh, What was it? About a year and a half ago talking about, oh, yeah, you know, we got to have that same mentality. You know, when we were the Red Wings, it's like, Brendan, there was no salary cap. Uh, Mike Illich (laughs) was spending like crazy to win a Stanley Cup. Uh, You and the Avalanche (laughs) were completely loaded uh, from top to bottom uh, because uh, the salary cap wasn't a thing. And you can go out there and outspend uh, small market teams. Uh, I wanted to ask you, too. um, I just want to get your thoughts real quick. Where are you at with the one or two point games? I know this is just something that's always thrown around and Gary loves his fake playoff races in the NHL. Are you a three points in regulation win guy or no? Or do you like the current system? How would you like to see the point system structured in the NHL? Yeah, I'm, I've always been a three-point regulation win guy. I think I think putting a premium on the 60 minutes of of actual hockey is probably the best way to go about it. Because um, then, you know, I, I love the three-on-three. I, I'm one of these people that thinks the the bloom hasn't come off the rose in the three-on-three, and it's usually really exciting uh, for stretches. Um, but it's not the same thing that we just saw for the previous 60 minutes. And then when you get to the shootout, obviously, it's just a carnival game gimmick to try to you know, artificially end the game as, as, as you can for television purposes. Um, so the idea that you put more of a premium on the, on the first 60 minutes to me is, is it makes a lot of sense. Um, and also could lead to some really fun stuff. I mean, you think about these playoff races and how tight they are. I mean, if you have the opportunity to, you know, jump three points in the standings while the team you're playing is idle because you beat them in regulation, I mean, that's a, 
that's a game changer, you know, that extra point in the standing. So mm-hmm. I, I'm with you, man. Like, like let's, let's put the onus and the, and the emphasis on the actual game and, uh, and de-emphasize the, the overtime stuff as best we can. Um, Wisha, I wanted to ask you this question. I teased it earlier. Uh, give us one reason why Flames fans should be optimistic with two games left <laughs> in the season and give us a reason why they shouldn't be. <laughs> I mean, are we talking in, insofar as their playoff hopes? Yes, yes. It's Monday, Wish. The weather's getting warmer here in southern Alberta. Like, we want some optimism this morning. I mean, I guess I guess the, the best optimistic thing I could give you is, I mean, the next two games are at home, if memory serves, right? Yes. There you go. That's okay. Optimism. All right. <laughs> It's, that's um, more of a fact than maybe hope, but okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, that is true that you are separating fact from hope. No, I mean, the, the bottom line is that, I mean, obviously, like, uh, the, the problem is, is, is it's a math problem right now. Um, the problem is, is that uh, they, they don't control fate. Um, and, and the problem is, is that uh, the team that they are chasing, the Winnipeg Jets, uh, has, uh, you know, a couple of tough games. I mean, I guess maybe that's another optimistic thing is they've got a couple of tough games on the road, but, but at the end of the day, how meaningful will that, will that Colorado game be to the avalanche at the, at the, at season's end, um, at a point when the jets might need it. So, I mean, insofar as the playoff hopes this season, I mean, I, I don't have a lot of hope to be quite candid with you. Um, I think the jets will probably grab that spot. Uh, but again, like you never know in the last week of the season, how things can flip can certainly get a little bit crazy here as the season winds down. I'm curious as to how you look at this flames team moving forward as well, because they made all those changes in the off season. You know, you, you get a couple of guys in some veterans in, you sign them for long term. Do you think this is a team that can bounce back and have a better year next year? Or do you think this is a team that needs to undergo some serious roster changes in the off season to, maybe pick a little bit more of a firm direction? You know, it's, it's an interesting question on, on two fronts. One is the off-ice question as to if they do miss the playoffs, you know, what happens behind the bench, what happens in the general manager's office. Um, you know, there's always kind of been the scuttlebutt about Bradshaw Living maybe getting an extension. I mean, who knows what happens when you miss the playoffs. It's, it, it'll be fascinating to see how it all shakes out because then that addresses the second question, which is, what do you actually have on the ice with this team? And I, again, it was a mad scramble after Goudreau leaves um, and after the Kachuk trade to try to create a, a, a playoff-worthy roster as, as best they could. I think this offseason gives them a, an opportunity to see what works, see what didn't, and try to reshape the team And uh, again. Um, so, look, there's a lot of pieces on this roster that you really like, and you know, what the year under his belt, you know, who, maybe Huberto comes back and has a stronger season next year. Who knows? But, like, I just think that the off-ice stuff for me right now is is the more intriguing part of where this team goes next uh, than, than what they might add or subtract from the roster this offseason. What do you think of the season for Daryl Sutter? Can you summarize what it's been and, and, and your thoughts on what it should maybe look like in the offseason? Yeah, here I'll summarize it for you. It's been Sutterish. There's a there's, yeah. there's a there's a descriptor yeah. for you, but it's Sutterish. You know, like, uh, he's not playing the young the, the young guys they want to showcase for potential trades. He's he's getting a little butt heady with some of the, the the veterans on the roster. 
I mean, it's, it's the, you know, curmudgeons are going to curmudgeon and, and it feels very much like in a season in which the team has really struggled to find its stride and really struggled to kind of recapture the magic of the seasons that they had with Goudreau and Kachuk leading the charge. Um, the tensions rise and, and, you know, I think that manifests in, in some of the things that have happened with him vis-a-vis personal relationships with players. So, um, it's it's a weird it's a weird season for him only because I, I didn't really feel like this team was able to craft an identity, um, which is an odd thing to say about a Daryl Sutter team because it's really kind of his bread and butter. But I think that speaks to the massive change in DNA that happened when Goudreau and Kachuk left, where all of a sudden you have a team that in many ways was in service of two players at the at the core, and, and they had this gravitational pull, and everything was kind of revolving around them. It's like taking the sun out of the galaxy, right? It's like now all of a sudden, what are we rotating around? And, and I think they had a really hard time kind of recalibrating, um, especially early on offensively. And, and, and Daryl struggled to really kind of carve out what this team was supposed to be this season. ESPN NHL senior writer Greg Wyshynski joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. What have you made of Nazem Kadri season? Um, well, I mean, well, first of all, I think Nas is a great player. And, and I think that what he was in Colorado was probably exactly the best usage for him as kind of like that number two center, outstanding number two center, the guy who, who does all the dirty work and, and makes all the two-way plays that you need on a, on a winning team behind, behind you know, someone like, like Nathan McKinnon. Um, you know, it, it hasn't been a particularly uh, characteristic year, I think, for him defensively. Um, 55 and 80, pretty good. Not necessarily anywhere near what he was last year, but last year, of course, was a contract year. Um, and 55 and 80 is what he was putting up, you know, a few years ago in Toronto. So maybe that's kind of more where he is. Um, I don't know. I, I, I felt like, again, it was a summer in which they're going to make as many moves they can make to plug holes in a sinking ship. And I thought that from the options available, he was a real good one. I remember thinking at the time it was kind of a coup that they landed him. Um, I just don't think that looking at his numbers last year for a Colorado team, that one is uber talented and two was playing in a, in a, in a bonkers offensive season um, was going to necessarily predict anything statistically for him this year. What have you made of Jonathan Huberto's season? <laughs> not the best. <laughs> <laughs> not ideal. Not um, great, Bob. Where's not the ideal. Gift? Not ideal. But but again, like <laughs> again, what what are from an expectation standpoint? I mean, listen, fifty four and seventy seven for that guy is is nowhere near what it should be. I mean, we saw what he was able to accomplish in Florida. We know what he's what he's what he's capable of on a points per game basis, and he simply hasn't you know transferred the kind of, of impact game that he had with the Panthers to this new location. And, and again, like I, I give him a year, you know, maybe even give him a new coach. Like, you know, there's, there's a lot of sort of recalibration that has to happen. I think for him going into future seasons, he's a tremendously talented player. I just think that sometimes you get your world rocked like he did one with the trade, um, which is a, a huge life change, both from a from a team standpoint and, and a geographic standpoint, and, and then two, kind of being thrust into a role of, all right, here's here's the flag, go bear it, you know, in the, in the way that the that Goudreau and Kachuk did, and 
And that's a tough one for 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 Huberto. I mean, I, I'm not necessarily. I've never really thought that he was that guy. I think the one the reason that they made the Chuck trade, the Panthers, was they didn't think he was that guy, and that they thought Matthew was more of the the MVP Hart Trophy face of the franchise player, and that's why they were willing to give up Huberto. And, and so far, you have to you have to admit that Bill Zito is probably right in that in that evaluation in making that deal because we've seen what. Kachuk has done insofar as his play down the stretch for Florida, where he might have even played himself into the Hart Trophy top three, um, and then what Huberto has done this season for the Flames. Wish who's going to be a harder out in the playoffs, the Avalanche or the Oilers? <laughs> well, the Oilers were my preseason cup pick, and as you know, they're always accurate mm-hmm. those picks as I picked the Islanders last year. Um, but no, the, the Avalanche has hit steamroller uh, territory lately, and um, that's a scary thing for the rest of the West. Uh, you know, I, I think the expectation is that they'll get Landis Cog back in the playoffs at some point. Um, they're they're really really tough, and obviously, um, maybe top to bottom a, a little bit better than, than Edmonton. I, I mean, I you know do respect to Matias Ekholm, but he's not Kel McCarr on the blue line. But the thing about the Oilers that's just fascinating to me is at some point when you have two generational talents on the same roster, they're going to drag their team to a final, whether they win the cup or not, they're going to get to the final at some point. They were close last year. Um, and, and who knows what happens if, if dry wasn't playing on like one leg. Um, so I, I, I'm, I think Colorado top to bottom is a tougher out, but I do think that the way that Edmonton's playing and, and obviously like, you know, Connor having a God tier season uh, means that it's going to be very, very difficult to defeat them too. Uh, I've been watching a lot of Eric Carlson this year, just the sharks out in the Pacific division here. What, what do you think is uh, going to be the Norris trophy kind of situation when it all is done? And what do you think it should be? (laughs) So when you've been watching, have you just been watching a lot of the sharks in the offensive zone? Is that uh, why you've seen a lot of their <laughs> no. Uh, I, <laughs> no, I usually no, watch the I, other I, team I joke, score but... goals with him on the ice. <laughs> I joke, but like I, I, I was talking to an NHL defenseman a few weeks ago, and and we were talking about Carlson, and he's like, he gets he gets kind of a bad rap. Like he's not, he, if you put him in a different situation where it wasn't just simply him going for points records and the Sharks being uh, in the Bedard Derby. Like there, uh, this guy told me, like, I, I think he could still be it up. Like, I think he could still be a really good defenseman, two-way defenseman in this league if he needed to be. He doesn't need to be in San Jose, which is why he's compiled the amount of points that he has. Look, I, I, I think his offensive season is enough, and I think that there's enough goodwill for Eric Carlson to kind of, like, give him this late-stage career Oscar, if you will, <laughs> to kind of, like, put him over as one of the best defensemen of his generation that he'll probably win the Norris. Um, we've done NHL awards watch every month this season. I can tell you that I, I think that the other two are the real tricky part. Like Adam Fox, I think has a lot of love from a certain block of voters that watch him in the East. Um, I think that um, there's going to be a lot of attention paid to Rasmus Dallin now that the, the Sabres sort of like circled back and got closer to the playoffs. Like there's definitely going to be, sort of a revisiting of, of, of his season and, and how good it was. So, you know, those, those three have been in the conversation. And then you have McCarr, who, you know, has been fabulous for Colorado, but hasn't necessarily 
had, I don't think, the same number of games as some of the other guys. So those those four, I think, are in the conversation. But I, I'd be surprised if Carlson didn't win it, only because the support for him, maybe it eroded a little bit during the season, but there's never been a point in which he hasn't been the leader for that award. Wish, is this the year the Maple Leafs finally win in the first round? Hmm. If it's going to happen, it should happen this year, man. That Lightning team... I mean, unless they've got a switch to flip where all of a sudden they're going to become like the playoff lightning again, uh, they're just kind of an unimpressive bunch. The, the, the attrition for that, for that team was going to catch up with them at some point. You know, they lost the, the Yanni Gord checking line after winning two cups with it, and then they get to the final and they lose to Colorado, and you could feel that loss. And, and now not only do they not have that line, they don't have Ryan McDonough, who was, did so much for them. I mean, played – basically the other half of the game that Hedman didn't play, right? And then they lost um, Andre Palat to the Devils, who scored, what, 75% of the big goals that they had in the postseason, it seems like, in some of these series. So at some point, that attrition catches up to the, the Lightning. They do have those pillars, you know, Vasilevsky, Stamkos, Hedman, Kucherov. You could throw Kalorn in there too, probably, Sergachev. Like, they still got those guys, but this is the, clearly the, the, the thinnest version of this team. So if the Leafs were ever going to do it, it would have to be this year. But then the real question is whether they can get out of their own way, you know, to, to accomplish something like mm-hmm. that. And if they do, hell man, you know, <clears throat> we talked about, we, we started talking about the Bruins. Like there's a reason why in the wild card era, a president's trophy team hasn't even made the cup final. And it's because it is a grind and it, and there's yeah. not a whole lot of advantage given to the teams of the higher seeds. And the fact of the matter is that, if the Bruins get past their first-round opponent, they're going to have to play either a, a team that's been to the finals for three straight seasons that maybe is still real good, or a Leafs team that will finally be free of the playoff curse. And as we saw at the Capitals a few years ago, all it takes is for you to exercise a demon, and away you go. And that could be the Leafs this year. Uh, outside of the Leafs in the Eastern Conference, who obviously have the most pressure on them to finally win a series, is the Bruins the next team? Obviously, with this incredible season, like you got to – cash in on this. It looks like it's the last ride for Bergeron and Krejci. Who knows what the future holds for those guys, but is it the Bruins after the Leafs in the East with the most pressure? It truly is, and it might even be more so on them because, hmm. like you said, the, the, the thing about it is there's a ticking clock, and, and yeah, it could be a situation where if they fall short, Bergeron and Krejci, they, they come back and they, they try to do it again, but you know, you're not going to be a 132-point team again next season, right? So like, there is a certain amount of, of ticking clock inherent with the Bruins that isn't necessarily there for a Leafs team that, yeah, has some older players and, yeah, you know, went in for O'Reilly at the deadline and stuff. But it, inherently, we know how old Matthews and, and, and Marner are, and, and they're going to be able to do this for a little bit as long as those guys remain under contract. So I think you're right. I mean, not only is it the age of the core and the contract status of the core, but it's also you're, you've become the best regular season team in the history of hockey. Right? Like, like you, you, you're going to have to now finish the job. And, and I remember talking to Brad Marchand about that earlier this year. And it was at a time when he was talking about how they didn't care about regular season records. They clearly care about them now. Like they've put the pedal down to try to set these records, you know, in a way to prepare themselves for the playoffs. Um, but he told me like, none of it matters if we don't win the cup. And, and that is a, a real, um, extra amount of pressure that I think you I think you hit on that I think a lot of people have sort of underrated which is that as good as you are now 
you're either going to be the team that, you know, follows it all the way through and ends up being one of the biggest juggernauts in the NHL history, or you're going to be the next team to squander a historic regular season. And we've got a ton of those. And then you're just a footnote. Like you're either going to have your name on the cup or you're just a footnote. And, and I think that's a lot of pressure to put on this on this team. Yeah, you're like the 73 win team Golden State Warriors who didn't finish the job and lost to LeBron in the finals. You 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 are literally a parenthetical when another team comes through and breaks your record. Like that's that's all you are, you know. And and uh, they've got a shot. And again, like the, the road there is really tough. We wrote about this on ESPN.com today. Like I'm taking the field against them. I think the the President's Trophy curse is real, and I think that the East is. Absolute meat grinder that they're going to have to get through with a number of teams that could beat them, um, even before you get to the West, where you're going to have you know the Oilers or, or Avalanche or whomever at the top waiting for them. Um, so it's it's it, you're right. It's 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 that extra bit of pressure of now now the you already have a target on your back because you're the Bruins, but now you have like the biggest target on your back because you're the best regular season team of all time. Now they have the they've got the President's Trophy wrapped up, so they obviously have their division while wrapped up. And we talked about the point system earlier, but what it has created is a race for the Eastern wild card, the race for the Western wild card, races for the top spot in the Metro, the Central, the Pacific. And we even got a race for last place in the NHL. How fascinated are you to see who comes in last and gets the most lottery balls for Connor Bedard? <laughs> well, I mean, Four I'm, horse I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated in the sense of like, I'm fascinated on, on, on who might end up with them. And, and that's, to me, it's like the lottery balls are going to bounce where they bounce. I mean, you can ask the Detroit Red Wings about, you know, the uh, the amount of, of, of chances you have in the lottery and how that doesn't necessarily always mean you're going to win it. Um, but, I mean, you think about the teams that are now circling the drain and, and you know, your Chicago's and Anaheim's and Columbus's, Montreal and, and teams like that. And, and you're starting to really kind of think about where Bedard will end up and where Fantilli will end up and, and – what's best for the league <laughs> to that end, you know, like I, there's, I'm, I, I, I look at a team like Columbus, for example, and I'm really torn because I, you know, obviously like Connor Bedard is a transformative player for that franchise. And, and now they become, you know, the LeBron Cleveland Cavaliers in some ways, right. Where it's like a generational player comes to a, a, a quasi popular Midwestern team and, and then they become a must-see team. But at the same time, like would it benefit the NHL more to have him in Montreal to have him, I, I, the best, most fascinating place for me is Philadelphia. Um, you know, like, is it better to have him elsewhere than some of the teams that are going to have the most lottery balls to, to get him is the interesting discussion. Um, real quick, Wish, if he goes to the Blackhawks and, and they're so far away from the salary floor, like, would they, how busy would the Blackhawks be in the offseason just to have this kid to play with somebody there? Because you look at their roster right now, my God, it's like the American Hockey League team out there. Yeah, they'd have to get him some people, and, and, and maybe you end up getting some people that want to play with him. But, but you, remember the, you got to remember the trajectory of some of these teams when they get these all-world talents. Like, it does take a couple of years before they ratchet back up and, and build a team around them. And I do think that they have a plan in Chicago. They, they have an idea of what they want to do for the next couple of seasons. But you think back to Washington after they, like, gut renoed that team post-Yager to get Ovechkin, like, I mean, Ovechkin was skating with guys like Matt Pettinger, you know, for, yeah. for a couple of seasons. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then like, and then, and then eventually Backstrom came and, and John Carlson came and, and all these guys, Mike Green started showing up. So like, I do think that, 
you know, if, if Bedard ends up on Chicago, they'll, they'll obviously be a little bit better than they were this year, but it's going to, it's going to be a slower build and it's going to take some time. And the, the unfortunate thing for uh, Marty Walsh and the NHLPA is that Connor Bedard can go nowhere uh, at all uh, for at least like eight years. And, uh, and the Blackhawks can be slow and steady as they want to be. Only problem is if they want to surround him with anything, they'd have to trade to get it because this free agency class this summer is uh, not great, I think. Yeah, and I, I, mean, I, I don't, I've not had a conversation with him. I don't know where his head's at. I don't know how, how it all worked out there. But, like, would Patrick Kane come back to skate with Connor Bedard? Like, Ooh. we do it because <laughs> he's a free agent, you know? Like, it, has the ship sailed? Is it? Is it one of those deals where, you know, he, he ends up re-signing with the Rangers? I, I don't know, dude. Like, if you have a chance to kind of do the thing you wanted to do, which is to kind of play out your career in Chicago, and you could do it with Connor Bedard as your pivot, like, I don't know. I'd, I'd look into it if I was Kane. Yeah, why not? Um, doesn't sound too bad. Um, Greg Wachinski, ESPN NHL senior writer. Wish, thanks for this. Anytime. Thanks. There he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Using the same secret recipe since 1975. Down in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Give us a hint of where you are at right now. Matty Rose doing the show. Uh, It is north of Red Deer. It is a town. Okay. It was... Village until 1961. All right. Wow, that's a lot of uh, clues. It's a lot of hints. There you go. Uh, Lou, Peter Labardi is straight ahead. We'll get his take on the Flames. We'll also get a life lesson from Lou. And we'll talk to the golf guys, Sam McKee, Brent Gunning, on what went down at the Masters this weekend. It's all straight ahead. It's the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.